bankers, they're salespeople. It's the bank that obviously asks them to sell. I think I've mentioned this to you before. RRSPs are not the best solution for everybody. They of course. are for most people, but they'll never tell you anything. First of all, they're not knowledgeable to know if someone should be doing RSPs or not. It's basically, another thing that we can say is it's basically, it's one, it's one way of doing things for everybody. The advisors at the bank are really salespeople. Right. Uh, they have sales objective. Correct. Uh, the fees are hidden. Correct. Uh, because of their conflict, they don't offer every solution possible. They offer what is relevant and beneficial to them. What they so, need at the moment. What, what they, they need, need at the moment. And it can need. vary from one period of the year to the other. Welcome back, everybody. And this time we're going to be looking behind the scenes of the retail banking industry as it pertains to us, the consumer. We're going to look behind the curtain and see who Mr. Oz is. And in a certain way, we're going to be looking at the underbelly of the retail banking business with a good friend of mine and also an ex-banker. So I hope you guys enjoy this podcast. So welcome back to part two of this uh, episode, and we are going to continue our discussion with John Kalos for points number four and points number five, and then we will wrap it up at the very end. So please enjoy. How's my financial health, Doc? Welcome to the Financial Literacy Podcast for Healthcare Professionals, where financial security and wealth topics are not a taboo. Um, so coming back to someone else, okay, this is a good segue. Uh, someone else is taking care of this for me. I hear this all the time. My advisor is taking care of this. My banker is taking care of this. And one of the things that we talked about that the banks don't want you to know is that the advisors that are advising us don't always tell us everything. Right. Right. And you've mentioned this multiple times. They don't have to be best interest. They just have to be suitable. And sometimes right. it's not even suitable. Um, and so they don't tell us everything and they only tell us things that they want to tell us about. So uh, let's dive a little bit into that. So um, again, it all goes back to sales objectives. And um, and so where I've seen, I, again, many years ago when I was in the banking industry, I saw many situations where clients were directed towards a partner of the bank, even though that client did not belong there. But the frontline banker that you're meeting has the objectives that they have to meet. And as a matter of fact, it 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 it, it was so micromanaged that the banker would tell their manager who's next in their office, and the manager would tell them, you're short on these sales, try to get the client to go in this direction. This is 
what was happening and that's and that's why um as you mentioned you're not told all the services that are available you're not given all the options you're not shown the pros and cons of every option that you have i think one thing that i like doing and and it makes clients feel comfortable is to say there are multiple ways of doing things. There are good things and bad things for everything. I like to discuss what the pros are, what the cons are of every option that one has, and then the client can make an educated decision. This is not the case at the branch level. One reason also is because their knowledge is not extensive. They're not trained for strategies and ideas they're trained for sales and so you're not getting professional advice when you're dealing with a banker that's just not it's they just don't have the experience or the knowledge they're not given the experience and they're not trained properly and again i'll always say this this is not the case for everyone but it's more it's 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 more prevalent than not let's say yeah, no, I agree with you. And I'll, I'll give you some examples of manifestations of what you just said there. So I I went to a financial institution where these are financial advisors. They advise me how to invest, how to put money into this, buy that, buy, buy this mutual fund, buy that. And I said to them, uh, what about life insurance? Right. And they say, well, no, you shouldn't do it. Well, what, what do you know about it? I, I don't know anything about it <laughs> because I only I only advise on stocks and bonds and, and REITs and ETFs. So if if you don't know anything about it, why would you tell me no about life insurance, right? That's one example. I will give you another example. I got connected to a quote unquote advisor on LinkedIn, and he was talking to me about, you know, his uh, client and high income, and one of his friend was a physician. So I asked him. I said, "Well, is your friend in RSP or not? And is your friend in pensions or not?" And, he's, and he says, no, um, I put my clients in RSPs. I helped them with TFSAs and I helped them with RESPs. And then I asked him, I said, are you familiar with IPPs and PPPs and pensions for physicians? And he says, yes. So I said, well, what's the difference? Why don't you put them in uh, pension plans? Well, it's too complicated, he said. I, I don't want to do it. It's too complicated. The physicians don't understand. So I told him my analogy in medicine. I tell my patients all the time to stop smoking. I know it seems simple, but it's hard to do. And many of my patients don't stop smoking, but I have to repeat it every single visit. And repetition is good. And at some point, someone will listen to me and they will stop smoking. And I know it's hard to get people to stop smoking and to change behavior, but as a physician, I don't stop that. I keep saying what's best for them and I repeat it. I even help them with, you know, referring them to someone who can help them. I prescribe medication. Um, I send them to an education center, but I do everything in my power and I do it repeatedly to help them stop smoking. So if you're an advisor and you advise your clients who are high income and who are physicians, and you find it complicated to talk about, you know, pensions and IPPs, and you only stick to what you want to do, RRSPs, because it's simpler for you, but not the best for your client. Then my question is, how can I trust you when you don't give me all the information possible so that I can make an educated decision? Because it's too complicated for you and you're going to spend too much time. 
So while this is good for you as the advisor, it's not good for me as the client. And so I always question if people always do the right thing. Clearly, they don't. So if people don't do the right thing, how do I know if the advice I'm getting is only suitable? As a client and the end user, I want best interest standard, not just suitable. And so we have to be really clear as to who we are dealing with. I went to I went to another bank and um, and just full disclosure, I am the president of the Canadian Physicians Pension Plan. John, you know that I've I've, I've disclosed that to you. So I, I went to the bank and and spoke with the advisor and say, well, you know, do you have uh, clients who are physicians who are professionals have high income? Have you ever have you ever recommended an IPP to them? You know, an individual pension plan. No, what is that? <laughs> have you ever recommended a PPP to them, a personal pension plan? No, what is that? Nice. Have you ever recommended an RCA, a retirement compensation arrangement? Uh, no, what is that? Right. So if they don't know what they don't know, how can they even advise us of the proper thing? And obviously, they'll only advise us of what they know and, like you said, what they need to sell. Right. Uh, and so I was, I was quite taken aback when I heard that. Because in my mind, naive as it is, I still think that these individuals who know a lot about personal finance, who know a lot about investment, should be guiding me in their best to the best of their capability in my best interest. But if the, but if they're not trained that way and they don't have that knowledge, how do I even feel comfortable that they're providing me best advice? Um, and and I've learned the hard way that they don't. And individuals like yourself, financial planner, who's well-versed in all these solutions, you can talk about the pros and cons. Correct. You bring up insurance, which is quite interesting because we were told we can't even say the word insurance. We're in trouble if we say the word insurance. And we're not talking about that. There's different types of insurance. You know, who uh, there's uh, you know, life insurance. It's it's all called life insurance, but there's diff- there are different aspects. And so what we were, to, when, when a client brought up the term insurance, what we were told is, yeah, do insurance for life insurance purposes. Meaning if, you, if, 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 if you're going to pass away and there's debt in the family, how is it going to get paid? Insurance is only good for that. And, and you and I know that's not the case. But I bring up the term insurance because when I went to the private banking division of one of the big five banks, okay, we learned about certain strategies that are appropriate for high net worth individuals or families or doctors or what have you. We learned about those strategies. And after we learned about them, we we were told, we're not doing this because we don't have the capability of doing this. Don't bring this up to your clients. We'll show you what it is, but don't bring this up to your clients. One of the one of the one of the big banks. I, I found an article that, and they were talking about the benefits of of individual pension plans and the benefits of of. Uh, of life, certain types of life insurance policies, and I was surprised to see that it was coming from the bank. But what you were see, what what I what I realized and what I've noticed in my in my career is that you'll never find that information in the branch level. If a doctor goes to the goes to the insurance division of any bank because they have that division, they have those divisions as well, they'll get informed about what types of insurance are and whether what's appropriate for them or not. 
but you're not going to get that at the branch level. And 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 as I mentioned, we were told, yeah, this is a strategy. It's a pretty good strategy. Don't bring it up to anybody. And at the private banking division, we were only dealing with high net worth families and individuals where some of these solutions were fundamental and we were not supposed to talk about them. So pretty much like the experience you've had. That is quite revealing, um, quite revealing because I can understand why that would not exist at the frontline level. Like the the person at the clerk level would not know this, would not care about this. Right. The the manager level would not know about this. But in the private wealth level, as you mentioned, they should know about this. And, and you've been educated on it at that level. But you were still not allowed to talk about it. And you were still not allowed to, to offer this as a solution. Because obviously, it's a conflict to their own incentive, right? The, right. the banks, the banks don't sell insurance. Life insurance companies sell insurance, uh, right. and the bank wants to sell you stocks, bonds, ETF, and want to manage your money. They don't want to manage your life insurance, so that's why you can't talk about it. Right. Look, uh, think of it. it's very, very simple. If we're talking about about a product like an IPP or a physician's pension plan or a corporate-owned life insurance, for example, okay, what's happening is money is being taken out of the banking system to be put into the insurance system. Banks don't want you to do that. Even though they own insurance companies, there's still a wall between a bank and an insurance company. So they'll never tell you. The, the one line that we were told when, when if a doctor brought up to us the idea of, hey, John, uh, I've heard about corporate-owned life insurance and I'm I'm incorporated and, and do you think it's a good idea? What I was forced to say is that, you know what, uh, Dr. Wu, um, insurance is best. Insurance should be insure for your insurance needs and invest the rest. In other words, there's a there's an investment component in some insurance policies, which is quite interesting and, and you're aware of. But we were told uh -uh, the best thing to do is to buy term insurance and invest the rest without knowing exactly how these strategies work and whether they're appropriate or not, they weren't. And, and again, we knew it at the private banking level, but we had no choice but to only talk about investments, unfortunately. You know what? I, I'm i crying right now. Uh, <laughs> the audience don't see this, but I'm actually crying right now mm. because of something you just said. Buy term and invest the difference. How about that? Yeah. Right? And, and this is what I hear all the time from my colleagues, from wow. the so-called gurus. Uh, and there's even people in, in my community who are supposed to be well-versed in personal finance who are still spewing this type of dogma. Yeah. Buy term and invest the difference. is because, one, they've bought into the idea, they've bought into the dogma, and they say to people, just buy term and invest your difference and never. And the word that they use is never buy cash value whole life insurance. And I shake my, now you're seeing me shake my head because this is a fundamental strategy for the right person, for a high net worth doctor or or anyone, business owners especially, and where, where there's an incorporation in play, it might not be the solution for everyone, but it's something that needs to be discussed and looked at. And yet the biggest, the, the biggest number of people that inform 
people of money are not talking about this. When, when I bring up this idea, this is really something. And I've heard this from multiple doctors. I bring up this idea and you know what? I, I get two questions. I, I get one, one, why haven't I heard about this before? And two, what's the catch? I mean, it's it's really, and I'm thinking to myself, well, you haven't heard this before because it's not, you know, the banks will never do this for you. And most people deal with banks and bankers and brokers and what have you. That's one reason. And and the other question is a bit more, you know, I hear what's the catch? The catch is the life insurance industry is able to provide a, an incredible tax shelter that many people are not aware about. And that's the catch. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a tax shelter above RSPs and TFSAs, which is appropriate for some people, appropriate for many doctors, and yet you'll never hear about this from most advisors. You know, the word that, that you said, which is the key word, it is appropriate for some and not right. appropriate for some. What I what I really dislike in this in this conversation that we have in the big debate in the community is the word never. Right, right. right. The moment you use the word never, you've just bought into a dogma. There's no such thing as never, right? There is always some indication for some people for some circumstance. Right. And so to your point, after a financial, a good financial plan, after a good discussion on strategy, Tom Brady knows where he's heading and who he needs to throw the ball through. And sometimes he needs to throw the ball to cash value <laughs> life insurance. And sometimes <laughs> it's just term, right? Right, right. But, right. But, to, but to say blanket, never, ever buy cash value life insurance for me is a disservice to our community. Um, I'm going to be a little biased towards the independent financial planner. And I'll tell you why, right? Because as I mentioned, I think as a professional, I th and, and I'm sure, you, you know what? You walk into a, a banker or a brokerage's firm, okay? And and I, I, I sort of, I mirror it towards someone walking into a doctor's office, okay? So if somebody walks in to, uh, if somebody goes to a banker and says, you know what, I I, I need help in, in, in this situation, and the advisor brings out products or starts saying they use never do this or never do that. I like that, or I liken that to me walking into a doctor's office saying, doc, I have a bad pain in my back. And then you pull out your prescription pad and say, yeah, here you go, take this without doing a full evaluation of what's going on. And so this is why I like to say the best experience anyone can have when they need help with their, their, their wealth management is to be sat down to go through on a total exploratory and then to present solutions be shown the pros and cons of each solution and then the client is smart enough to make up their mind and say yeah this looks appropriate for me i like to show people everything that's out there and everything has a pro and a con a good thing and a bad thing to it and then we're able to make a decision and then if a, if a client will tell me you know john i'm i'm still not sure you you know I, i've explained it as what do you think and then i'll i'll lend my opinion and say this is why i think this might be a better option for you you know you have a family and you have this you look at all the circumstances before you make any kind of decision and to say never to any product you're absolutely right it's just it's you know without they're telling you never because they can't provide that solution to you or and they don't some, understand it or they I, certainly they don't understand when you hear 
a ter term, do the term and invest the rest. They just don't understand. They've never been exposed. I can tell you another story Blue, that happened to me a long time ago. And I think it's important to bring this up actually. And this is, this is when I first broke into the brokerage industry in the mid nineties. And there, and the, the branch, the brokerage firm that I was at, the branch invited an insurance specialist to give us an idea of these strategies that might be appropriate for high net worth individuals or families. And the insurance individual came to our office, bought lunch for us, for us, 12 o'clock started a presentation. They gave, he gave us a pamphlet with a whole bunch of documents in it. Right. And at the end of the presentation, as everybody was walking out, they ate all the food and they were throwing the pamphlets in the garbage, garbage back then, no recycling in the, in the nineties. But do you hear like how close minded people could be, but that's again, because they weren't paid to offer that solution. If they told their clients that solution, they would be losing money because money would come out of the brokerage firm from investments and go into that insurance strategy. So there's just so much out there that people are not aware of. And that's the way it is. And this is why we say, try to get independent, try to get independent advice, go see two or three or four different people. I know that's not possible for many people, especially doctors, you just don't have the time, but it's, it's not, it's not advisable to say, yeah, I have somebody who's doing it for me and I've been working with them for a long time. It's always a good idea to get a few opinions, to get some, 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 try to get some non-biased opinions out there. Well, this this is a, a big problem, John. Um, we physicians as a community are very trusting people because we command trust from other people. Like patients trust us uh, because we've we've signed on to the Hippocratic Oath. We, we conduct ourselves with the utmost uh, respect to the standard of best interest. Everything we do is in the best interest of people, of our of our patients. So we're in general a trustworthy, um, you know, bunch of people. Uh, and so we project that trust to other people. We we think that other people are also as trustworthy. So when we go to our our advisors, we trust our advisors. We when we listen to you know, people who talk on our podcast, we trust those people because those people have different alphabets behind their name, right? Mm -hmm. uh, we go on to Google because whatever Google says goes, right? <laughs> um, it's it's on the internet, therefore it must be it must be true. Mm -hmm. So that's how we get our information for financial uh, planning, for investment, for different things. And unfortunately, we don't understand that there are nuances, there are indications, there are pros, there are cons, just like there is in medicine. Uh, and unfortunately, we don't take the time to to sort of take that nuance out. We we listen to the talking heads and we listen to the gurus. Now, nothing says that what I'm saying on a podcast is true either, right? right. You and I are having this conversation and there's someone out there that says, well, Vu, you're, you're full of BS. It's possible that I am full of BS. But what you're saying, John, is don't just listen to Vu, right? Listen to Bob, listen to, to John, listen to Cecilia and, and get different points of view and then figure out what's right for you. Correct. And you know what, Vu? I'm sure you've felt this before. I may have been, 
I'm, I, there are certain situations in my life where we're still learning. You're still learning about medicine. I'm still learning about the investment and wealth management. It's a, it's an ongoing learning process. New ideas, new thoughts, new circumstances come out. And maybe what was right four years ago is not right now. What I'm trying to say is that I could be, I have a certain opinion about something, whatever it is. And if I hear somebody else tell me something about it that I didn't think about, I may change my opinion. I used to be, look, I when it comes to investments, I used to be total ETFs, okay? Like uh, exchange traded funds are there and they're a great, they're certainly a great tool. As a matter of fact, my podcast has me talking a lot about ETFs, but they're not the solution for everybody. Five years ago, they were the solution for many people where things are today, interest rates, uh, somebody close to retirement, somebody in retirement, maybe they're not the best tools at this point. And so things change. What worked Two years ago may not go today. All I'm saying is you and I and any professional needs to be open-minded and think about other solutions that maybe we weren't thinking about in the past as well. So this is where constant education is important. I know you have, you know, obviously, uh, you 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 have you have to be going to education annually. We have to do it as independent financial planners as well. And so be open to ideas and don't shut anybody down. What I can tell you, I see on Twitter quite often, one financial advisor going at it with another financial advisor, and they're at, they're at different one is at one end and one is at the other and i'm thinking to myself man these guys are not open this guy is saying my solution is the best there's no doubt about it and the other one is saying uh-uh my solution is the best let's be a little bit more open minded let's think let's think a little bit you know let's look at it from a perspective of clients as well john i i would like to interject here for a minute you know i've had very similar conversations on linkedin where this certified financial planner uh, was saying, well, IPP is the only way to go. IPP is better. There's no reason to do a PPP and there's no reason to do this. IPP is the best. And by the way, um, the, the PPP is only a marketing scheme and uh, it doesn't do anything else. It's just uh, window dressing. And so he was going on and on and on. And I was trying to say, listen, there are scenarios where IPP is the best. There are scenarios where IPP is not the best and one should consider a PPP. And there are scenarios where people need to consider even an MEPP. But this person who's a certified financial planner, very prominent on LinkedIn, I won't name his name, was just going at it and trying to degrade me and condescend me. And in fact, he was just trying to do that to me. He was trying to do to many other people and thinking that I'm just a stupid physician. What do I know? And he may be right. I'm, I may be just a stupid physician and I don't know anything about personal finance. And he may be right. But the point is not that. The point is this person was not open-minded at all. And he was trying to, quote unquote, crush me with his three letters, CFP. It's not easy. And, 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 and I'll also say this, you mentioned doctors are trusted. You know what? We all have to trust no matter who, because we just don't have the ability or time to know everybody. Uh, we did our kitchen a couple of years ago. Am I sure that it was the best thing that they did with this particular area of my kitchen? No, but I have to trust. I mean, I, you know, you don't have time and the expertise to go 
to go through everything. You have to trust somewhere, but trust, but also beware and listen to other opinions. And I, I just like telling people, it's a good idea to know, to have someone tell you about everything, then tell you the pros and cons about each one, and then you can make a decision. You know, it uh, it brings me back to one quote. I think it's from Reagan. You 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 can correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, trust but verify. Ah, that Reagan? Was that we're Reagan? old enough to remember that. We're old enough to remember <laughs> that. Yeah, 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 very good. So trust but verify. Absolutely. That's right. That's happening. And That's right. uh, and the other thing is, you know, as physicians, we we pride ourselves in being lifelong learners. Uh, right. To your point, we pride ourselves in being lifelong learners. And so we should be lifelong learners in medicine, but also in our own personal finance. And so we and, should be lifelong learners. Yeah. And again, you know, you can't do everything yourself. You have to delegate certain things. And doctors and many people delegate these things to people that they feel they trust. But like you said, trust but verify be open-minded the person that you've been working with for 20 or 30 years might not have all the knowledge or all the solutions available to them just keep an open eye money is important it's our one of our biggest needs and yet it's not understood properly look did you ever learn anything about money in high school or even in university or or, or when you became a resident? Did, did anybody approach you to teach you about the basics of money? I'm assuming the answer is no. No, never. You, you had an interest by yourself. You had your own interest and you and you you, you know you you learned quite a bit. But we we have to take that upon ourselves to learn as much as we can about money. So I'm going to say this last thing about this topic. So because we are lifelong learners and we should be striving for lifelong learning, run away from people who say never, right? There's never a never. There's always something. Be open-minded. If someone tells you never, run away from that person. Yeah, yeah. Because if that solution is out there, it's out there because someone needs it or somebody wants it or some, it's important for somebody. It's important for somebody. You're you're absolutely right. One thing that I, I when I'm interviewing a, or somebody who wants, is looking for an advisor and they've spoken to me or they've, they've reached out to me, we have a guide that I like to send everyone, which is which basically says the 12 questions you have to ask a financial planner before you hire them. And that's something that helps people out and, and to, to, to sort of give them an idea, what are the things you need to look out for when you're doing an interview with a financial planner? I'll tell people, if you have time, find a couple of planners, two or three, and then make a decision. You Eventually, you'll have to make a decision. And eventually, you're going to go with the person that you feel most comfortable with. But we're trying our best to inform people what to look for before making an important decision like that. So now let's come back to the uh, the last one, the last thing that the bank doesn't want you to know. And it's a great segue because I, I, I think you've read my mind is how do we know that this person is trustworthy? How do I know if I should be working with you? I should be working with, you know, that person, this person. And at the bank, everybody is a VP. Everybody's a director. Everybody's a manager. Everybody has big titles. And I did not understand I'm like, wow, you walk into a bank, it doesn't matter which bank, and you're shaking hands with the director of so-and-so, and you're shaking hands with the VP of so-and-so. And it's not until very recently that I realized these are big titles given to people who doesn't really that doesn't really mean much. So explain that to me a little bit. 
All right. Let me start by saying this. Every person that you run into a branch, whether it's the teller, whether it's the person doing your mortgage, whether it's the, the manager, they're all general salespeople, period. If I, I, And I hope I'm not insulting, but that's what it is. I'm just telling you what it is. Everyone at the branch level is a salesperson. There isn't any specific knowledge or specialized knowledge. They know a little bit about a lot of things and they know very little about a lot of things. Event on occasions, when I used to work at the branch, and again, I was at the private banking level, we would bring in for certain clients, we would bring in tax lawyers, tax accountants. These are the specialists that don't belong in branch land. So when you're in a branch and you're dealing with the staff of a branch, Title means nothing. Everyone is a salesperson. You have account manager. You have personal banking manager. You have um, mortgage specialist. There's a whole bunch of different terms, as you've mentioned. You have vice presidents. Vice presidents basically mean that they're dealing with a lot of money, that they they have a portfolio of $30 million versus another individual that has a portfolio of $5 million. When you reach a $30 million, you're given the title of vice president. So when you hear these terms, take it with a grain of salt. Um, the, the professional designations in our industry are what's called CIM, Certified Investment Manager, CFA, uh, CFP, Certified Financial Planner. These are professional designations. When you hear vice president or manager, these are nothing. They're, they're, they mean nothing. It's just titles for people that have been there for a long time or titles for people that are good salespeople. But to to me, the consumer, uh, especially the the consumer who's not knowledgeable, it seems pretty impressive. Uh, and I'm like, wow, I'm meeting the senior of this and that, and I'm meeting the VP of this and that. And for me, I'm I'm impressed by those titles. Maybe I should not be, but I am. Uh, and I'm unknowledgeable, unknowledgeable about that. And and I and I and I I project my trust to them. All right, and that's I guess that's one of the thing is that. The, the banks and these financial institutions are giving these people big titles so that, you know, consumers like us who don't understand trust them more. Is that is that the marketing scheme? Is that the plan? Absolutely. Let me give you a quick example. My former manager many years ago, and what he was basically a manager of salespeople, and his card had vice president, and he told me, I showed this to my mom is what he said. And his mom was totally impressed. My son's a VP and he wasn't a VP. I, and he, so he was telling me that this is what my mom thought. We know what the truth is, but that's, that's, that's what it is. How it's, it's, you're right. When I, when I showed my business card to my mom back when I started in the industry and when I started, I was a salesperson, but it said investment specialist account manager, Ooh, manager specialist. My mom was very, very proud of me. It's just, it's titles don't mean anything on a business, on a business card. There are designations as, as in your industry, there are designations and one can have lots of initials and, and, you know, stuff next to their name, but in branch line, beware of what is being said on a business card. There's no real professional designation when it comes to people that directly work in a branch. They might invite some of their partners 
in the industry, but in branch land, there's nothing really that 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 makes one person more important than another. They're all pretty much salespeople. Well, thank you very much for that, John. Listen, um, I hope that once this podcast gets published, that both you and I are not going to receive hate mails. Uh, and uh, I'm my- used to it. I'm used to it. Don't worry about it. <laughs> I'm not. <laughs> but you know what? I'm okay with this. Honesty, honesty is the best thing. I think if we uh, we were talking about this before, Vu, I think if we just say the truth, everything will work out. You know, and <laughs> nobody knows what goes on behind closed doors. I'm 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 lucky. I used to be in your in, in the hospital industry when I was a student. I was an orderly, and I worked at the Royal Victoria Hospital for ten years here in Montreal. So I know a little bit of what goes on behind closed doors in hospitals and. Right. There's always something going on behind closed doors in anything. And you know what? I'm exposing it and I'm hoping that it's to the to the betterment of people. I, I you know, we've been told I, I mentioned it, we've done podcasts with some other people. We've been told that we really, really help out. We've really helped people out when it comes to money. And as you said, honesty is the best policy. And, you know, whatever the circumstances, I think if we just always say the truth, we'll come out winners. Absolutely. So listen, I'm going to ask you one last question. If there's one thing that's burning on your chest that we haven't talked about that you leave, you need to leave my audience with, what would that be? And yeah, trust, but verify, but it's, nobody has a lot of time to do this. We just have to trust sometimes. Well, you know what? Do the best you can to, 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 to get as much information about something before, before, you know, committing to anything. Sometimes when you commit to something, it might not be the right thing. I can tell you many doctors that I've met where after explaining to them, you know, how things work, they've always asked me, well, then why the hell was I doing RSPs all my life? And I was telling them, well, because that's what you were told to do. And so all I'm saying is I try to get a few opinions. I mean, people go to doctors for different opinions. I mean, they, they want a second opinion on, you know, so this should be done everywhere. Try to get a, a couple of opinions or get a feel for two or three people that you speak to. Try to get some referral sources and then, you know, you, you do what you do. So verify. Trust but verify, I think, is the best way to say it. Thank you very much. That is a very practical and pragmatic advice. And I hope that my audience uh, in, um, understand and appreciate where that comes from. Um, and uh, thank you very much for sharing your insight and also discussing the underbelly of um, the banking industry. We've kind of just scratched the surface. Uh, so maybe I'll invite you back next time, assuming we're both still alive, uh, that uh, our houses have, have haven't been burned down. So uh I will invite you next time and we can chat even more. So thank you very much, John, for uh, for coming in and uh, letting us know about this. I really enjoyed it, Vu, and I, I hope, again, we made some sort of impact uh, to people's lives. And then let's, let's, let's cross our fingers on that. Okay, folks, as you can see, this may be my last podcast and I may be dead after this once it's uh, public and posted. So I hope not. I hope that people enjoy the honesty here it's like i said it's edgy it's it's blunt uh but it's honest and so hopefully uh that uh, you guys have appreciated this and if i lose my house or my uh my life uh, on this then you understand where i'm coming from so thank you very much for listening so far and uh, if you like this podcast please share with your friends your colleagues and if you do have any comments for me please 
avoid the hate mails. But if you have any comments for me, please leave it at hmfhd2020 at gmail.com. How is My Financial Health Doc podcast is hosted by Dr. Vukit Tran. Dr. Tran is a physician with a special interest in personal financial security and wealth education. Dr. Tran does not render or offer to render personalized investment or tax advice through this financial podcast. The information provided is for informational purposes only and does not constitute financial, tax, investment, or legal advice. Please confer with your advisor, lawyer, or accountant for specific advice.